You are now politicking with Pope on PopePolitikin.com. I don't know how y'all see it, but when it comes to the children, Wu-Tang is for the children. We teach the children. You know what I mean? There you go. Welcome back to PopePolitikin.com. Your home for self-help meets hip-hop. Make sure you go on Spotify, Apple Music. Right now we're live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. One, two, one, two, and place to be with the one and only Haas G. Salute. <laughs> 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 so man. I be sound like Busy B on my intro. That's all good. What's That's up, man? supposed to be. I want to say, uh, once just man, I appreciate having you on the show, bro. Really, really, uh, I don't know, man. Sometimes when I, I was saying like, I interview people and I'm like, damn, sometimes like I'm interviewing this dude. <laughs> you know, so I got that feeling about you. I know I'm interviewing the uh that's how that's how I felt when I sat. That's how I felt when I sat next to Mr. Magic at the W hotel on like uh I don't know, 50 something street in Manhattan, and I was just chilling and I sat at the you know, I sat at the bar. I had my cognac for the night. We in the hotel, and I'm looking right next to me. I'm like, "Oh Lord, I'm sitting next to this dude." You see what I'm saying? So I get that. I get that feeling. Like I know the feeling that you feeling. But guess yeah. what? I'm I'm your counterpart. I came up. You came up with me. I came up with you as well. Yeah, but yeah. I sometimes it's like, because I always ask people, how do they? their earliest thoughts of hip hop. And some of this stuff is like your subconscious because you remember when you like eight or nine. So it's like, you know about it, but you know about it from your uncle watching it. It just like, so it's like, and then it comes back to these like some brain shit that. <laughs> nah, it just, it comes back like, that's what I was growing up around all that yeah. time. You know what I mean? That's that's where it comes from, you know? My uncle was that, he was, he was an avid uh, album collector. Not just my uncle, my uncles, all my uncles, my aunts, my mother, you know what I mean? Like music was, you know, they was that was the 70s, you know what I mean? They was getting busy. They was doing everything that you see in them black exploitation movies and all the movies after that. You know what I mean? Like that's how they was living. You know, they none of them was was saints all their lives. You know what I mean? They was in the streets running around doing this, that, and the third. And then that's when I learned, like, wow. I started understanding, like, wow, that's what y'all been doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's how I got my I got my savvy. You know, that's how I started figuring it out. You know, at one point, you know, moms and pops, they got grown and they decided to raise kids. So they're gonna raise us with a with an iron fist. You know what I'm saying? But no matter what, you know, you, we ain't far from the same. You know, our DNA is the same. So, you know what I mean? What's good for the goose is good for the gander. We're going to do it too. You know what I'm saying? The difference is we just, we're going to play it off a different way. So what are some oh. of your, what is your earliest memories of hip hop? Oh man, my earliest memories of hip hop was probably in Brooklyn. Um, I want to say it wasn't really hip hop back then. What it was was a, a gathering of, of musicians, a gathering of festivities, because I came from Flatbush, Brooklyn. So, you know, we always had the Labor Day Parade. We always had block parties. You know what I'm saying? And um, that was my youngest years. 
So that was my little eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 years, you know. And then from there, once, you know, the Labor Day parades was going on every year. you know, dug deep into hip hop. And uh, you know, sir, that's a that's a specific club. Um, um, Sound Factory, uh, just going to the clubs and, and seeing the artists back then when when I was coming up that I was able to be is actually force MCs from Staten Island. You know, that was one of the first groups from Staten Island. And then, you know, seeing Slick Rick, seeing Dougie Fresh and You there? You got me back? Yeah, you go. Well, I don't know if you caught me, but Force MDs was the first group from Staten Island. So I got to see them. Slick Rick, you know what I mean? Um, I remember when BDP came out to Staten Island and rocked out with, with um, Rock Kim and all of that. So I started seeing those shows, you know, early enough. <clears throat> and, it, and, you know, that was that was some of the inspiration that made me want to become a rapper. Man, can you, I mean, I don't know. I know a lot of people probably ask you the same questions, but you know, <laughs> can you talk about the how you how you formed with the the UMCs? How y'all formed up? No, I can't talk about that. Yeah, cool. I won't talk about that. Now uh, I'm just messing with you. Cool, man. Yeah, you like, man, you probably get that question all the time, but I, you know, I still want to ask it. You have to ask it. You know why? Because every platform is a different platform. And, you know, you got a whole different following than, you know, the next person. And guess what? We're here to spread the love and tell the truth. So basically, like I said, I'm from Brooklyn. My man, Cool Kim, he lived on Staten Island already. And, um, you know, we just hooked up because I'm from one part of Staten Island. He's from another part of Staten Island. And we, we, we are in the same genre. You know, we're both rappers. And um, my friends know about his friends. His friends know about him and know about us. So that's what started happening. The friends started talking. Yo, this dude over here and that dude over there. Yo, they dope. Yo, what's up? What's up? What's up? So, you know, it, it eventually became a meeting. And we hooked up. And um, we, we became like the best of friends. You know, it started off with a couple of battles. You know what I mean? Here and there. And then it turned into just really, really like brotherhood things. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we got jobs together. You know, we hung out together. We partied together. And then we decided to make a group. And, and you know, we was part of a bigger group. But, you know, I guess what you say, the, um, the weak shall fall off. You know what I mean? And we became just us two. And that's how we became UMCs. And we say, yo, this is how we're going to do it. This is what we're going to do. And we moved on from there, you know. 
throughout the whole throughout the whole situation um i mean we grew up with all of wu-tang you know that the staten island is ours you know we're basically the first rap group commercial from staten island so you know a lot of people want to ask the question too which you're probably going to ask later on how do y'all know wu-tang and all of that say it again you said you gave him all his records for 36 chambers rizza yeah there's a, there's a story behind that yeah you want to know the real story what's up so remember umc's is the first commercial rap group from staten allen so while we was out in cali doing soul train um doing shows you know uh hooking up with cypress hill before cypress hill was even known you know what i mean um we had to do like some promotional uh events and for for those that don't know promotional events is when your label takes you to all the sister uh all the different labels that's connected with them in different regions mm -hmm. so each region we go to that's connected with emi we got to go visit the label that's out there in that region so we went to one region and um they gave us the whole stacks collection they gave it to all of us as a gift you know for visiting their region and all that they was giving you know party flavors party gifts and um they gave all of us the whole stacks uh stacks records collection so we had that whole stacks record collection and what ended up happening was we ain't know nothing about it at the time we just had the collection so my man RNS, who was with us at the time, he was a DJ. He came back to Staten Island with the collection. We all came back home, but he let Rizza listen to the Stacks collection. And then that's where Rizza took all the beats from, ripped them, sampled them, did everything. And we're like, yo, they did the whole album off of that. Like, are you serious? You know what I mean? But we brought that whole collection back to Staten Island, back to New York. So that's where it all came from. And then that's how they ended up doing their whole Wu-Tang album. But don't get it twisted. Like, we was all growing up together, uh, formulating Wu-Tang, formulating UMCs, formulating Pop the Brown Hornet, formulating Shaheen the Rugged Child, formulating a whole lot of the groups that came from Staten Island. You understand what I'm saying? And um, you know that that that's history. That's just the way it goes. Yeah, then yeah. like y'all coming back with the Fusta Nature album, like with y'all, because I was listening to that like just now, man. Like, did y'all really know it was going to be a classic? Like now, it's like a classic. Do you, when y'all did it, was you thinking it was a classic, or now you go back, you be like, oh man, we did something really special back then. Or I mean, me personally, that's me. Me as a producer. I knew it was a classic already from the beginning. Mm. I didn't know I was really a producer, but I knew what we was about to put down was going to go down in history. I didn't know that much because it was so different. It was so involved. It was so fresh and new. It was from Staten Island's, you know, you know, lost forgotten borough. You know what I mean? Who's these kids coming out from there? So I already knew that was going to make a mark. Um, but I didn't know how big of a mark. 
and how big of a presence in regards to the legacy that it was going to set. You did? Yeah. yeah, and then I noticed the album, it's on Martin's show, the album cover. Yeah. Yeah, I was yeah. reading that he asked y'all, can y'all use, he has Flavor Unit, can he use it? And y'all yeah. said, yeah. Yeah. And we didn't know nothing about no Martin show, no nothing. None of that was developed. I mean, none of that was, it was being developed already, but it wasn't really out yet. So back then it was just like, there's this uh, new show get ready happen and they want to use your poster. And, um, you know, back then promotion was a big thing. So you would allow anybody and everybody to, you know, uh, pitch you, promote you, um, and, you know, you become, you become allies, you know what I'm saying? So that's what that was about. But the next thing you know, that show blew up, took off, and here we are on the front. You know what I mean? Like, wow. <laughs> but you got to, here's, here's the thing, though, a lot of people don't get. If you think about it, like, connections are, connections are a motherfucker. You know what I mean? It's like, think about it. When you look at Martin's wardrobe, look at the whole team's wardrobe, right? Yeah, with all Wasn't it a whole bunch of bright colors and all of that stuff on Martin? Mm -hmm. Now, remember when UMCs came out, what was we rocking? Cross right. colors. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? That's how those connections happen. So that was the, the flyest, brightest group at the time rocking cross colors and that's what the show got going on so yeah that poster should be in there not to mention you know uh uh spike lee was popping so guess what let's use public enemy too you know what i mean like that was that whole you know that was that whole thing back then so we fit right in the mold we was good yeah, I was reading. I was watching. Actually, I was watching the video of Blue Cheese, and I was looking at the comments, and people was like, "Man, this hip hop was fun. This is classic hip hop. This still goes." So, how you feel about people still enjoying your music today? There you go. Did you get me? Say that again. No, I was just saying, like, I was going through, I was looking at your one of your songs on YouTube, I think the Blue Cheese, and I was looking at the comments and people were mm -hmm. saying, hip-hop was fun, this is dope, basically just giving you your accolades. So I said, how does it feel like 2020, people still love that music, love that sound, they know that was, you know. Um, I, I'm not going to lie, like, the sound is... The sound is timeless. Like it's one of those type of things, you know. You can't. I I can't put a, a I can't put a, a limit on Eric being rock him for president. You know what I mean? I can't. I can't. I can't put a limit on you know James Brown. Papa don't want no smoke. I mean, Papa ain't raised no. You know whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's weird because. Timeless music is 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 what we are looking for. Timeless music is what we're here to create. You know, like nowadays, a lot of music comes and goes. Now that that's what, and that's where we should be concerned, you know, at or concerned for, you know. But if we made a stamp 
and the music is timeless and they still love it to this day and they can play it in the clubs, you know, Slick Rick the Ruler, you know what I mean? Um, I can't, I'm I'm in the a league with the greatest. That's that's how I feel. Like if my record is timeless like that, and people are still jumping to it when they pop it off, you know, one to grow on. One to grow on is one of those records automatically. You know, Blue Cheese is dope, but one to grow on is so timeless and so in tune with what's going on throughout each and every decade. You can't. You you can't stop knowledge, you know what I mean? And you can't stop good good rhythm. You can't stop good beats. You can't stop good, you know, bass lines. It's that's what it is. So I feel really, really good about it. And and I know that uh beyond that, if if I never did anything else and and the world imploded and we turned into the planet of the apes, and they gotta go dig into the libraries. They're gonna find blue cheese or one to grow on in that library because it was it was already etched in stone. You dig what I'm saying? Yeah. Then I was, asking, I was saying uh, I was just reading this, this write up about Doctor Group, but it was saying the second album was more hardcore. So I was gonna ask you, was it a reason? Was it more hardcore to you? I was gonna ask you about that. They saying that the second album was more hardcore than the first album. Oh man! So you want to get into that? Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, all right, so this this is what it is, you know, just for everybody to understand for real. Like, when you're like 17 years old, 18 years old, getting into music, and you have no, you have no knowledge of it, you ain't got no background, uh, you don't got no guidance, you get into it because you just love it, you believe in it. You don't know the business aspect of it to the fullest. So by the time you get to where you got to go and you made hit records, you know what I'm saying? Off your first album, you made a hit record. You made two hit records. You had a banging album. And then your label goes and get a deal for about $6 million based off of the album that we gave them off of $15,000, right? Yeah. What do you expect to happen on the next go around for the second album for the artist? What what should the right label uh, executive do for the artist on the next album? I'm asking you the question now. What's the right thing to do by the artist for the second album? Give them more money. Exactly. Yeah. If we did it off of 15,000 for the first album and you got $6 million. So now when it's time to hit that second album, how should we be looking? At least a million or two million. Not even that much. Maybe you, you don't even have to do that much. You know what I mean? Because it was all your work, but guess what? 15,000? Come on, give it, throw up. <laughs> throw up 500, you know what I'm yeah. saying? But um, not even 500, not even 100, not even, you know, it's like, what? They tried to get 15 again, huh? They was coming back with 10. <laughs> like, make it work. And that, yeah, make it work. Like, come on, you serious, B? Yeah. So, yeah. So what happens is, you know, we get frustrated. You know, now we're not in the same frame of mind. You know, mm -hmm. you got to keep your artists happy. 
That's one thing. That's a point right there to let everybody know. Keep your artists happy. I'm not saying, you know, bow down to them, spoil them, but do what is right at all times for your artists, you know? And that's the lesson that I learned. Like, you can't, you, you, your artists ain't going to be happy. They're not going to, they ain't going to create the right way. They're not going to produce the right way. You know what I mean? So basically what happened was, you know, you caught six mil and you telling us this is all we getting for the second album, you know, and a birthday cake for my birthday. Like, come on, man. What the, what, the, what are you, you bugging? You didn't you know get what You didn't try to do that. Say it again. Not even a car. Not a call. A car, like a car. No, they wasn't giving out cars back then. Mm. <laughs> here's a ticket. Here's a ticket on the bus or the plane. That's it. And oh, a nice ho a nice hotel. All the time it was nice hotels. I can't front, but guess what? Though, if we did an album off of fifteen thousand dollars, and you just caught six million dollars, you need to break some of that bread with your artists that help you get to that level. Yeah, and if, if 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 it ain't if it ain't go down like that, then guess what? Whatever album we give you, this is what it is. So what everybody experienced through that second album was just a bunch of really, really, you know, uh, a whole bunch of dissatisfaction, a whole bunch of animosity, a whole bunch of anger, you know. But at the same time, the beats were still tight, and the lyrics still made sense, you know. So if everybody understood what the transition was about, they would have known that we went from fun, you know what I mean, to just craziness because it took us there. You know what I'm saying? It really just took us there. And that was the only thing that we could express. Art, you know what I mean? Um, what, did, what did they say? Art imitates life. Yeah. That's the life we was living at that time. That's you crazy. know, it came to it came to the holidays and we couldn't even get an advance. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you can't even afford to give us a, a freaking advance so we could buy a Christmas presents and this and that for our kids and our families and all of that. And then you want us in the studio working on an album. Come on, that's dissatisfaction right there. We're not we're not built like that. We don't believe in that. So all, the only thing that's going to come out is, is anger. dissatisfaction, anger, you know, bitterness. You understand what I'm saying? You know, I, I apologize to my fans. I never meant it to go that way. But um, sometimes life just takes us through, you know, a whole bunch of hoops and hurdles. And, you know, at the end of the day, the only thing we can say is please forgive me. You know, I didn't mean it like that, but I was pressured into it. and you know, I wasn't strong enough at that time to, you know, reflect, uh, deflect it. So That's I really fell true. into it. Yeah, I'm gonna say, you know, earlier you were saying uh, with the first album, you didn't really know what producing was. So how did you learn about producing more? First album, I really was producing. You know, I just wasn't, I guess, focused on being a producer. Mm. I, I was more focused on just making beats for us to sing to, to rap to. You understand what I'm saying? But at the same time, I was actually producing it. 
So what happens is as being an artist, being a rapper and making the music, you know, it's, you're involved, you know, you're doing what you do. And I'm not looking at it like I'm an outside producer. Like if I'm producing for a, a specific artist that I'm not really, really involved with, but I'm producing their record, you know, th that was UMC's project. So I looked at it like that, you know what I'm saying? And um, that's what it was. So then I finally figured out later on that, oh, wow, all those years I've been a producer. You know, I know how to construct. I know how to conduct. I know how to implement. I know how to guide. I know how to strategize. I know how to mix. I know how to, you know, get it right. And then I realized, yeah, those are all the signs of being a good producer. So it wasn't until later on when I started producing for, you know, uh, fellow artists, MCs, whatever, outside artists, MCs that I realized, yo, I'm coming in, I'm guiding this whole shit. You know what I mean? Yes, I am a producer. Yeah, I know yeah. I was looking at you out. You did the Apollo yeah. Kids with Ghostface and then the Magic Stick with 50 Cent and Lil' Kim. Mm -hmm. That's tight. Yeah, I like them. Yeah. What do you use when you produce? Like what kind of uh, software or instruments? I mean, well, first of all, you know, Staten Island, we're really renowned for the ASR 10. Mm. That's the keyboard, the Insonic. So that's what I started with, you know. Um, salute to RNS. He's the one who put me on to that. RNS is one of Staten Island's producers too. But um, yeah, I started with the ASR, you know, then I elevated to the um the MPC. I went from the MPC to just dealing with the the programs, Logic, uh, Pro Tools. I'm not really the fan of Pro Tools, but I still got to use it here and there. But Logic is my 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 choice uh, my choice program. So Logic. Say it again. I said, why do you go by Phantom of the Beats? Oh, that's a story right there. That's a big story. Um. All right, so everybody's familiar with Phantom of the Opera. Right. That's what I was thinking. All right. Yeah. All right. And uh, so you see the F is that way. That way. Yeah. Um, Phantom, Phantom, Phantom was a ship in the 1800s that sailed from, from Paris. And, um, you know, y'all could look it up. But it, it, the, the ship was named Phantom. F-A-N-T-O-M. So it's a whole lot of detail in that story, but I was talking at the time with my girl at the time. And you know, she's a she's an artist herself. She's she's a fashion makeup artist. You know, she's into all of that stuff. So we was just talking about it. And um it was the whole plight of reinventing yourself. So, you know. Everybody knew me as Haas G, but if I want to come out as a producer, I'm going to flip the whole script on everything. You know what I'm saying? So what would be a good name for me as um, as a producer? I love music, you know. Um, the Phantom of the Opera story meant a lot to me. You know what I mean? But, you know, I want to I give it a twist. 
So it was like, yo, Phantom, you know, you should be Phantom. Like that, that statement alone, you know what I mean, is, is a big statement. Because Phantom of the Opera goes on and on and on and on and on. I don't care what state, what, what city, what county, what country, everybody knows Phantom of the Opera. All right. So we're not doing opera right now, but we're doing beats. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. let's Phantom of the Beat. One, two, three, just that easy. And that's how we came up with it. I don't know if I was smoking a blunt at that time or, you know, I had a sip of tequila or something, but that's how we came up with it. And, you know, it, it, it is a big story behind it. You know what I mean? You, you look up the ship, the Phantom that sailed from Paris and you'll understand, like, I'm very emotionally attached to this whole game and music. And like you said, like I said earlier, art imitates life. but when you look at certain situations and you follow the patterns of what was going on and you realize that, damn, that's the connection that I have with that. You know, that's when you pull out of yourself, like, boom, this is what I want to do. And this is how I want to do it. This is how I want to portray it. So that's, that's where it all came from. Now, so what do, you feel about the, uh, do you feel like the content in hip hop, the quality has dropped or has it got better? Um, it's an evolution process. I don't really, I'm not going to call what it is. All I know is it goes up, it goes down in between it moves until something sticks the right way. And then that's going to rock for the longevity. You know what I mean? Until that's getting stifled. So all I think is that it's, it's, it's just in action. It's in, it's in, you know, it's in, it's formulating, you know, it's doing what it has to do. Um, Lyrically, I can say that I haven't heard I haven't heard no real, real down lyrics in a long time. You know what I mean? Like I know what uh, our lyrics was a whole bunch of, you know, not to not to be on some, you know, OG teaching prophetic shit, but <laughs> the lyrics that we had. Everything had something to say, you know what I mean? I don't care if or if it was uh, educational or if it was emotional, but we said lyrics. Right now, I don't really even hear verses that go the right way. You know what I'm saying? Like, the, before I get a full verse, everything is chopped up before it even gets there and just repeated again. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't hear a full 16 bars. I don't hear a full, you know what I mean? Eight bars. I don't, you know, everything is just a whole redundant speech that I hear a lot of the times. Now, presently, and, and I was talking about that in regards to like the last, I don't know, four or five years, but presently, I see an uprising of a whole brand new you know, lineage that's ready to sport out. You know what I mean? They're, they're diving in right now. And I can hear it and I can see it. So me personally, I think this is my time. You know what I mean? Like, this is what I was waiting for. And this is what I've been prepping for. And, you know, amongst the time that I've been moving, that's why I've been keeping on my square in order for it to change, you know what I mean? You always gotta have a change in the guard, just like we just did, right? 
just like we just did. We yeah. just had yeah. the changing of the guard, right? Yeah. So we get money. Yeah. yeah. Well, so what you think about that? Change it of the guard. Nah, yeah. the whole thing is the, the, the change it of the guard only gave people a heightened sense of being aware again and and at least it got you happy. You don't know what you happy for, except yeah. for the fact that I mean the main reason I'm happy is just that that dude is going to be out of office. I have no clue what the new dude is going to do. But as long as we know that that first dude is not going to be there no more. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yo, we, I don't really, I don't, I'm not celebrating because Biden is the president elect. I'm celebrating because Trump is out of there. I'd rather give it to somebody fresh and new to see what they could bring to the fold. Like, God, I saw what you brought to the fold, and it was just total chaos. Yeah. Like, I haven't experienced a four years like this in a straight up. <laughs> no, dead serious. I have never experienced four years in a row straight up calamity. Uh back to back calamity it started off reckless so yeah you gotta go that's how i feel mm. now, right. biden and and harris that's a whole new wave that's why everybody's excited like whoa now we got the we got the black woman vice president we got a new president, Biden, who was the vice president, who was under Obama. Wait a minute. Maybe he's looking up. We don't know. I'm not sure. Politics is a tricky thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, politics is real tricky, you know? And I never fall into the politics. Yeah. I'm straight with it. You know what I mean? I just watch. I focus. I see what's going on. And I... And you know, hopefully it's going to be for the better, you know, but guess what? At the end of the day, we live the milestone when there's a lot of people who didn't even make it to this point. Yeah, no, right. I'll ask you, but who would you say your top five in hip hop is? Yeah, I don't want to know my top five. Them youngest, <laughs> hey, them youngest out there listening ain't even going to know who I'm talking about. Now, this for the old heads. All right. So we're going to go. All right, first and foremost, for me, it started out with the whole Juice crew. So, yeah, I want to put them in one. Okay. Because if I, I can't split them all up, so I'll just say the Juice crew. Okay. And you know who that consists of. You know, Big Daddy Kane, yeah. MC Shan, Molly Moore, Biz Marquee, Roxanne Shantae. Yeah. That whole thing. Uh, uh, you know, so that was my, that was one of my inspirational points. And that was my inspirational uh, producer, Molly Moore. You know what I mean? Like, Molly Moore was an inspiration to me as a producer. Um, all right, so cool. So that's one of my top fives. Then you got Eric B and Rakim all day. I can't dispute that. Then you got Slick Rick. Can't dispute that. Then you got... 
BDP, KRS one. Right? Where am I at right now? Uh, all right. We could go to De La Soul. You know what I'm saying? And um, who else? Now, everybody after them, between that time and the late 90s, I loved everybody. Everybody came out sounded dope. Salt and Pepper, you know, um, they they broke milestones, you know what I mean? MC Light, you know what I mean? Sweet Tea, you know what I mean? Um, it was a whole bunch of milestones set by them. So that's why they're like in my top, you know, Coogee Rap. He was down with, you know, Molly and them. Um, I mean, it's too vast. It's very, very vast. And um, I can't, it's just, it's too vast for me to say top five. There's a whole bunch of them that I just, I grew up off of and I loved. And, you know, I I don't put none of them against each other because I feel that they all had their own lane. None of them even sounded like the other one. You know what I mean? Everybody sounded so different. So, well, I'm gonna ask you because you were saying like that you kind of came up with Wu Tang. That's what you were saying earlier, like y'all came up together a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So I saw this part of the Wu Tang show where it was like I think really first had a deal, but he basically flopped. Then he came back out. Was you around when he first had that first deal? Because it was like I guess it was kind of like it seemed like they was trying to make him go a different direction with his music. So it looked like it didn't work. Then he came back with Wu Tang. Was you around him during that time? Yeah, that's when he came out with um, "We Love You, Rakim." Yeah, 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 yeah. So that that record was yeah. <laughs> but no matter what, he still opened the door. You know what I mean? Like that was just a stepping stone. Mm. And then he realized that ain't it. You know what I'm saying? You know, that's just like when they had the picture of of Dre wearing. Tights and spandex or whatever, and yeah, you know what I mean. It's like, yo, this is an artistic form. This is an artistic arena. You know what I mean. People don't know what's gonna propel them to the next level, but guess what? They're daring and they try. So I give everybody props for even trying to do it. You know what I'm saying? Not everybody can even step in the arena. Primo, gangstar. And then, what is something? Say it again. Some of your interests outside of music. Oh, well, I'm, I'm basically an electrician by trade. For real? So that's yeah, for real, for real, man. <laughs> y'all better hit, y'all better hit my IG and see all the electrical, all the electrical posts I throw up on there. Yeah, I'm an electrician by trade. Um, licensed electrician. Um, you know, I mean, I, I've worked. I've worked, you know what I'm saying? Music wasn't just it about me. You know, I worked for New York City Transit. I worked for Local 3, you know what I mean? I built buildings. I built some of the houses of the people that's looking at this situation that are living in, you know what I mean? I built your houses. Yeah. When you, you got involved with that? How long you been involved with that? Oh, I was an electrician right out of high school. I went to a trade school. So I went to a trade school where I learned uh, to be an electrician. And right from the, my trade school, my um, 
my my teacher at the time, he he just flew me right into transit, New York City transit, right out of high school. So I've been I've been an electrician now what 25 years plus. You know what I'm saying? So I'm I'm a master. Um, but it goes hand in hand because electrician, studio, music, wires, you know what I mean, equipment. You know what I mean? It all it all floats hand in hand. So it's all good. So when 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 I'm not, you know, making your favorite hits, I'm in the back lighting shit up. You know what I'm saying? I'm on the other side. I'm in the other building lighting shit up. You know what I mean? So this way y'all can make the hits or do whatever you gotta do. But nobody could function unless you got electricity. Hmm. You dig? Yeah, whatever current project you're working on right now, I read you got flags, a single. Yeah. yeah well, basically, right now, I got a whole album out. I did a producer's okay. album, you know, and for the resurgence, which means I took a hiatus for a little bit. I was watching the climate, seeing what was going on. And during that time, I was putting together a producer's album. Put the producer's album together, which consists of a whole bunch of different artists, you know, from, you know, your Tal Pre, Mr. Easy Chip Fools, uh, uh, Rhyme Records, um, uh, Dre Wonders, you know, new artists, old artists mixed in and out, you know what I mean? But on one album produced by Phantom of the Beat. So off that album, I just started letting off singles go. And, um, you know, there's certain singles that's, you know, stuck and that started moving. And the whole point of doing that producer's album was to let everybody know that I am an executive producer. I know how to put a whole album together. I know how to bring artists together. And eventually that led to me getting my own record label. You know what I mean? So I got the record label. Now it's just time for me to really, really show and prove what the next step in this music game is going to be as far as we're concerned. And I got a whole team, I got a whole crew that they've been gearing up to get ready. And I think this is gonna be the platform for, for all of us to show our talents the right way. And then uh, yeah, my homies, I kinda show all the time. Do you think it's an age limit as far as like rappers in hip hop? You remember, cause game was like, you 38, you still rapping. But now game is about 38, he's still rapping, so. We don't think, you know, other genres is not like that, but it seems like hip-hop is like, oh, at a certain age, they feel like you shouldn't rap no more and stuff. I mean, we just had this conversation. At a certain age, I, me personally, I don't believe you should be starting new rap songs. But if you have a catalog already, I believe you should be touring and still singing your catalog. You know what I mean? Like, that's the whole thing. Like, I don't believe you could come out with a new rap song and it catches the attention of these young kids because you're not in their bracket no more. They're not seeing what you do no more. They will live off your classics. You know what I mean? Cause their parents lived off of your classics. Their parents grew off your classics. So they could relate to that. But I don't think that you could come out right now at, at 40, 43, 45 and do a brand new song and the kids is going to relate to it because now and that means you got to dumb down to relate to the kids you understand what i'm saying rappers spit what they know so if you're going to spit what you know 
whoever's listening should be able to relate to what you're doing. So I think there is an age thing when it comes to being a rapper. Yeah, because I feel like I always look at it like like you were saying, it's kind of like like you can't be rapping about being in the club when you like 45 or 50 years old. Like you don't (laughs) so it's kind of like a young man. That don't make sense, right? Yeah. So you get it. But guess what? The 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 good thing about that is um there's still a place for you in music. Maybe you don't have to be the rapper. Maybe you need to spread the knowledge and raise up the next new rapper and give them your you know knowledge. You know what I mean? Yeah, or you can be the uh the podcaster or the rate or the promoter or something. You, you can be You're supposed your- to become the executive. Yeah. Which is what I just did. I'm the executive. I can still write bars all day long if I choose to, but that ain't my passion. You know, my passion is producing, making sure that it all comes together, making sure that I got a whole team that brings everything together. You understand what I'm saying? Making sure that everybody's responsible for their own position and making it all happen. And at the end of the day, we got a finished product. You know what I'm saying? And then I know where to take the product how to get that product pushed out the right way. That's what we supposed to be doing. We supposed to have elevated and graduated. Well, I'm gonna say like you know, the product, what is a good age for a new artist? Because like I didn't view some artists 14. I didn't view some that I saw the girl Jaja, she like five or six. So what's a good age for like if they if you want you know somebody trying to start what do you think or I mean there ain't no there ain't no starting age. The starting age is when they're ready. Mm. But what happens is, even when they're ready, who's around them to guide them, to you know, develop it, to make sure that it moves the right way? You understand what I'm saying? You can start at five or six and, and be a hit if you got the right people around you that's helping you become that, you know? And, you know... 18, 19, 20, 21, I don't care what it is, you still have to have the right development crew around you to do that. You're not going to do it by yourself at that age because you don't even have enough knowledge of the, you don't have no wisdom of the game. You don't know nothing. You know what I mean? So no matter who you are, what age, from from youngest to the whatever age, you still need a a team. You still need the right people around you. You still need the, the guidance around you. You know, you can't do it by yourself. We, on the other hand, we did it by ourselves. You know why? Because we was daring enough. We was at that age where we were smart enough. You know, I graduated school salutatorian. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I'm I'm not a dum-dum. We knew the streets already. We knew books already. So we was able to move out there and do it on our own. But not everybody's built like that. Um. <laughs> right. Sure. So you kind of, you kind of was going into it though, but what advice would you give to new artists? You know, they're trying to build a name, build their brand. Oh man. The advice I would give everybody right now is stop following the norm. Do what you want to do, how you want to do it. There's a whole lot of copycatters out there. They all sound the same. 
that's boring and that's getting ready to come to pass like trust me when i tell you once y'all hear the new thing that happens y'all gonna be like oh oh i should have did that instead of doing what i'm doing you know why you know followers you know they like i said it's a cookie cutter machine you know the original is the original the carbon copy gets thrown in the garbage you understand what i'm saying so if you ain't the first to do it and you coming behind the next one doing the same thing you're not gonna last in this game you know originality is what really really uh lasts in this game and you have to have enough substance and enough belief and enough loyalty and enough you know uh how do they say uh chutzpah or you know drive or <laughs> fruition you understand what i'm saying so stop following i hate that's the one thing i hate i hate these followers what i would love is to see originality all day just be original you don't have to do what everybody tells you to do you got to do what you feel in your heart because once that happens that's when you claim stake in the game and i don't care how long it takes you but that's when you claim stake in the game I would say, what do you think about the, like they say, culture vultures in hip hop? I mean, everybody's going to make a dollar bill off of something. Right? That's just it. Um, safeguard yours. You know what I mean? You already know it exists. Safeguard your own. Leave it, you know, pay no attention to them. Like I said, they're carbon. That's all carbon copy stuff. You know, you want to live off of what I'm doing, live off of it. But guess what? It ain't going to last you but so long. You know, you ain't going to get to the bulk of what I got. So what are some ways you think like we can preserve the culture and like continue it? That's like asking me, what are the ways we could stop racism? (laughs) You dig? You understand what I'm saying? There's no answer to that. Uh, There's no answer to that. That that's the that's the the unknown. That's the X. The unknown. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. It has to be figured out. But the only way you're gonna figure it out is is independently how you do your moves. You know what I mean? How am I gonna save the culture? How am I gonna preserve the culture? But when it comes to unifying, uh, unified, uh, a whole unified movement on preserving it, I don't see it. I don't see it at all. I think as individuals develop mentally, emotionally, mentally, and figure out, well, guess what? Let me secure my private sector, and I'm a, I'm a conserve everything within this circle you know what i mean then i think it'll branch out other than that there's no one way to tell everybody to do it because everybody's so caught up in the you know they're caught up in the mix of everything else and what would you like to say to your fans and supporters well i want to believe in biden (laughs) but (laughs) When he says we're going to get rid of systematic racism, 
and I'm dead serious. When he said that, how do you get rid of that when it's always been here? Yeah, you can't. That's why you gonna basically how do you get rid of it. Yeah, you can't unless you get rid of those people. Now you ain't gonna get rid of those people because now you're a racist getting rid of the racist people. <laughs> yeah, you can't exterminate them. So then that that right there is far fetched. Yeah. What I really want to do is, um, you know, tell my fans, yo, y'all can find me at Phantom of the Beat with an F, F A N T O M O F T H E B E A T on Instagram, and and you know, my quotes are going to be really, really quick and to the point. You know, my my lifestyle is going to show you how I move, how I live, um, and I just want y'all to do the same thing. You know what I mean? Indulge in something that's fresh. Indulge in something that's new. You know what I mean? And I'm not that fresh and that new. I've always been around hovering. But, you know, I move in. I'm, You know, I stick, bob, we, throw a jab real quick. You know what I mean? And come back through. You know, go look up my history. Go, go check out Phantom of the Beat. Go check out Haas G from the UMCs. Go learn the history, you know, because... You know, as Kanye said, he had two choices. He said, he said, I had the choice to pick a Pete Rock tape or a UMC tape. And I know Kanye for the last decade was one of the best producers that all these kids was following for the last 10 years. So how does that make you feel? I'm good. I'm very good. It don't make me feel neither nor, you know, because he told me that before he even blew up. It's just that he actually announced it publicly. You didn't vote for him? Huh? You didn't vote for him? Man, listen, you're bugging. (laughs) (laughs) I'll vote for him for the Grammys. Oh. Not right. right, I want to say thanks for coming through politics with me. I appreciate you. Anything else you want to leave listeners with? Um, yo, just go check out that Phantom of the Beat audio drone album. Um, you know, it's all over the place. It's audio drone, A-U-D-R-I-O-D-R-O-M-E. Look out for the Phantom Music record label that's about to drop through Who Mag Sony Orchard. Uh you know, and just just pay attention. You know, there's a whole bunch of music out there. You know, you don't got to be pinned into one box. And you know, you know, open up your ears, circumvent. You know, see what's going on. You know, it's a big different world out here right now. You know, technology is our friend, and 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 use it, use it. So yeah. I was talking to um, J Ro today. He told me to say, "What's up, J Ro from Alcoholics." Oh, oh, that's those are my G's. You know what I mean? Like you're gonna see a lot of them G's coming back with me too, because I think they're wise enough now to not only conduct, construct, but just just be a part of the the new wave of music. You know what I mean? And and be able to reach one, teach one. You know that's what we're here to do. See ya.
In Brooklyn, little enough, many women and bad looks. You get a job in the wrong neighborhood. Then again, in cool school, but if you have food, then come on, me, 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 me,
Popolitikin.com.